Isaiah chapter 7, let's begin reading at verse 10, shall we? Then the Lord spoke again to Ahaz, saying, Ask a sign for yourself from the Lord your God. Make it deep as Sheol or high as heaven. But Ahaz said, I will not ask, nor will I test the Lord. Then he said, Listen now, O house of David. Is it too slight a thing for you to try the patience of men that you will try the patience of my God as well? Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, a virgin will be with child and bear a son, and she will call his name Emmanuel. Thank you, Lord, for your presence. Thank you for this day that we can celebrate you. We ask now that you will open our hearts that we may hear and receive what the Spirit will say to us in the midst of the preaching. I lift up other life-giving churches, and I pray blessing upon them. I pray for our loved ones not yet walking in right relationship with you. And especially, I pray for sons and daughters who have wandered from the faith and ask that you will draw them back to your side. Don't let one of them be lost, I pray. Thank you for hearing our prayer, that we pray today in the only name that matters, the matchless name of Jesus. Amen. You may be seated. It was a critical time in the history of the people of God. Ahaz was the king of Judah. The nation was being threatened with destruction from the neighboring kingdom of Syria and also from the northern tribes of Israel. Fearing for his safety and the security of his people, King Ahaz decided he would align himself with Assyria and to trust in that godless nation to deliver him from his troubles with Israel and Syria. While he was reviewing his options and making his decision, the prophet Isaiah came striding into the royal palace with a word from the Lord. He warned that the Assyrians were his ultimate enemy, so he shouldn't place his trust in their help. Instead, the prophet said he should place his trust in the Lord, because the Lord is with him, Emmanuel, God with us. And then the prophet invited the king to ask for a sign to confirm this word so he would know it was true. Make it a difficult sign, he said. Make it a sign so outlandish that the only way it could happen would be for God to perform it. He said, make it as high as heaven or as low as hell. When challenged like this, the, the king got all religious on him. Oh, no, I, I, I couldn't do that. I'm not going to test the Lord by asking for a sign. In reality, he was masking his unbelief behind a cloak of pretend piety. So the prophet responded, you're not only trying the patience of men, you're trying the patience of God. By the way, that's not a very good thing to do, try the patience of God. Okay. He said, very well, the Lord himself will give you a sign. A most unusual sign it was. The sign had a single meaning, but a double significance. It had both an immediate and a distant future application. See, at this point in his life, Isaiah was a widower. And the Lord spoke to King Ahaz through the prophet and said, Before Isaiah can marry again and his wife conceive and give birth to a child, God is going to deal with the aggressors who have come against his people. 
But because Ahaz has refused to trust the Lord, he said, the very Assyrians he is looking to for help are going to be the very ones who will devastate his kingdom. The short-term fulfillment of that sign took only a few years. But there was a future application. One, I'm not sure the prophet was fully able to comprehend when he was proclaiming this word from the Lord. I suspect he knew in part, but, but he certainly didn't understand all the Lord was saying in his message to the king. The future application of the prophecy didn't happen for another 700 years. But then we hear the gospel writer, Matthew, as he puts pen to parchment in chapter one of his gospel and tells of an angelic appearance to a man named Joseph. In Joseph's dream, the angel tells him not to be afraid to take Mary as his wife because the child she has conceived is of the Holy Spirit. Then Matthew writes this commentary in verses 22 and 23. He says, now all this took place, that is the angel's appearance and everything and speaking to him, all this took place to fulfill what was spoken by the Lord through the prophet. And then he quotes this verse, behold, the virgin shall be with child and shall bear a son and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which translated means God with us. Now, later, we hear the gospel writer Luke, as he records in chapter 1 of his gospel, the angelic appearance to a virgin named Mary. When Gabriel tells her she is going to conceive and give birth to a son who is going to be the Messiah, Mary asks a most important question in verse 34. How can this be? since I am a virgin. The amazing sign of the coming of Messiah given by the Lord is of such miraculous proportions, no one would ever imagine its occurrence. It's completely beyond the realm of anything humanly possible. The sign of the coming of Messiah is a pregnant virgin. Now, there's a truth I want to impress upon you today. The miracle experienced by Mary was more than just a once-in-history occurrence. It is also a foreshadowing of miracle possibilities for each and every child of God. The miracle that happened through Mary is an invitation to each and every one of us to live in a place of expectancy that God's miracles will come to us as well. In verse 28 of the Gospel of Luke, the angel says to Mary, Hail, favored one, or highly favored. The verb used here is derived from the root word for grace. And it literally conveys the idea of a person being uniquely privileged. It carries the idea of a person being afforded a once-in-all-history role. What's interesting about this particular word is that it is used only twice in the Bible. The first time it is used, it describes this once-in-history role of Mary bearing the Christ child. The second time it is used is in Ephesians 1.6, and in that verse, it's talking about every believer in Jesus Christ. Now, you think about that. Mary was uniquely graced. She was given a unique role. No one else has been either called or privileged to serve the place she was given. 
At the same time, the Bible says every believer has been blessed and chosen. If you are a follower of Jesus, do I have any followers of Jesus in the house? All right, okay, making sure I'm preaching to the right crowd. If you are a follower of Jesus, then you have been assigned a unique role which is specifically made for you. And it is just as unique and privileged as was the role assigned to Mary. The Lord proclaimed the promise through the prophet. The angel suddenly appeared to Mary with an announcement she was going to become pregnant and give birth to the Messiah. It's what we call the incarnation, God becoming man. Anytime you hear about the incarnation, you need to remember incarnation has to do with people getting pregnant. Incarnation has to do with people expecting more than they dreamed. Incarnation has to do with people becoming open to possibilities they could never realize by themselves. What God did long ago in the physical, biological realm, supernaturally begetting life, promise, and hope where none existed, he is fully ready and able to do now in any realm we might imagine. He comes to offer life and promise and hope at any place where life or love, hope or strength, promise or patience has disappeared. It's in those kinds of places where he comes to offer the same kind of miraculous encounter that he offered to a virgin in Nazareth. Mary's miracle opens not only the promise, but also the pathway for God to incarnate his gracious purpose and power in the experience of anyone who will be open to the same order of miracle. I want want to know today, is there anybody who is open to receive the miracle grace of God in your life? Am I talking to anybody who would be willing for God to work his miracle grace in you? I'm telling you today, God is no respecter of persons. He shows what he can do in some lives as a sample of what he can do in all lives. He does these apparently occasional wonders not to preempt your hopes, but to promote your hopes. Through Mary, he brought to reality the ultimate hope, which is Jesus. In doing that, he not only pointed the way to salvation, but also to the possibility of Christ in you, the hope of glory. That's what we were singing about in the hymn a few moments ago. What I'm trying to help you see and believe today is that God has a miracle for your life. Somebody needs to begin to embrace that possibility. Somebody, you need to confess, my season of miracles is about to begin. Why don't you go ahead and confess that openly? My season of miracles is about to begin. The Holy Spirit wants to strike a a spark of hope in somebody's heart as you're listening to the word of the Lord. I, I, I know enough about preaching and about preaching to congregations to understand it won't be everybody who will receive this word today, but somebody will. Somebody will hear there's a possibility for a miracle of God's grace to come to your life at your point of need, and you're going to seize upon that word of the Lord, not because the pastor said it, but because the Holy Spirit is speaking it into your heart while I'm talking. You're going to bring your confession into agreement with the proclamation, and the Holy Spirit is going to cause faith to rise. I don't know who you are, but somebody is going to become pregnant with new possibilities that are born of the Spirit of God. Somebody is, in the border, is on the border of stepping 
into the realization of God's miracle promise. Everybody isn't going to believe it, and everybody isn't going to receive it. Some of you are going to be like King Ahaz, and you're going to get stuck in religious piety. You're going to miss the visitation of God truly with, your, with you at your point of need. I know that not everybody's going to get this, but I also know I'm talking to somebody, somebody who is right now keyed in on this, somebody who is right now saying in your heart, even if nobody else is going to believe for a miracle, I'm going to believe for one. I'm going to position myself to receive one. I'm going to let faith and hope rise one more time because this time just might be my time for the miracle I need. Why don't you go ahead and praise him for that today if you're ready to receive it. Hallelujah. I'm, I'm just getting wound up good with this. Praise God. If you're ready for God's miracle promise, I want to give you three ingredients necessary for you to experience God's miraculous. First, when you look at the story, you find the promise to expect. I, I don't know what kind of mental image you have of Mary when the angel appears to her. Maybe you think of her being on her knees in prayer and meditation. Or perhaps you see her in soft lighting with, you know, with a halo over her head. When I read the story, I have to confess, I come away from it with a completely different sort of picture. Here she is, a young teenage girl, maybe, maybe about 15 years old. I see her quietly minding her own business, doing things young teenage girls of the first century do. Perhaps she's, you know, she wasn't on Facebook, she wasn't on Instagram, she's... <laughs> She was waiting for those to come around, but they hadn't, hadn't been there, hadn't gotten there yet. Perhaps she's doing chores. Maybe, maybe she's down scrubbing the floor. I don't know. She's disheveled, perspiring. She's not doing anything particularly religious. In fact, the last thing she expects to see is an angel. But out of nowhere, without any warning, the angel Gabriel appears to her. It so unnerves her that he has to reassure her with, do not be afraid, before he can deliver his message. But then came the promise. Mary, you are a virgin, but without any intimate contact with a man, you will conceive and bear a son who will be the savior of the world. Wow. What an incredible promise. Here's where I want to suggest to you that one of the ways you know a promise is from God is because it will always be something to stagger your mind. If it's from God, it will always be something so incredible, so impossible, so unexpected, it has to be God. Only God could do something so spectacular. It can't be done any other way. It must be a God thing. There's something else you need to know about this kind of promise. When God gives you a promise, he expects you to believe it. He doesn't give promises to create false hope. He makes promises to spark hope, to increase faith, so he can fulfill his word and show himself mighty in this world. 
You see, the incarnation is more than a theological concept that reflects upon a time in ancient history. The incarnation doesn't just speak on a global scale about God coming as a man for the world, but it speaks on a personal scale about God coming to you. The incarnation isn't just about God becoming a man through the virgin birth, but it is about you receiving Jesus through faith and being born again. It's about Christ being born not in a stable in Bethlehem, but being born in you. In that miracle of new birth, all of who Jesus is comes to your life. We forget that. We think we just got a little piece of Jesus and we got touched by Jesus. No, he comes to live inside of you. All of who Jesus is comes to your life. The miracle he wants to birth in you is the full revelation of his person and his power being manifest in your life right at the point of your greatest need. You may feel like your situation is hopeless. You may feel like the last possibility has been tried and failed. You may feel that all the resources are exhausted. But the Lord comes to you in this hour with a new possibility, a fresh hope, the implanting of a miracle seed that will spring forth and give birth to his abundant life. See, right now the Lord is speaking to somebody who is weary and discouraged. The, Lord, the word of the Lord is a promise to begin to expect his miracle life. The Lord has a miracle of deliverance for somebody today. He has a miracle of healing for somebody today. He has a miracle of provision for somebody today. He has a miracle of fresh beginning for somebody today. Day. He has a miracle of divine strength for somebody today. This is the promise he gives. And with the proclamation of his promise comes the assurance that he who promised will surely bring it to pass. In order to receive your miracle, there's first the promise to expect. Then there must also be the permission to engage. The Lord speaks an incredible promise to King Ahaz, and later the angel delivers the promise to Mary, and it is at, that's at, it is at this point most of us act more like Ahaz than Mary. We short-circuit the miraculous intervention of God when the plan isn't the path we were expecting it to be, when the, when the method causes inconvenience. That's when we pass on the miracle. For some reason, when we read the story, I've discovered we have this tendency to gloss over the difficulties Mary faced. We just read, you know, the angel appears. Joseph says, well, I may, you know, need to quietly dissolve this engagement. The angel says, no, don't do that. Go ahead, take her as your wife. We read, they made the journey to Bethlehem. There was no room in the inn. And then the Bible just says, and she brought forth her firstborn son. And, you know, and we gloss over nine months of difficulties. We've told that story so often. We've seen the sentimental cards, and we've heard the sweet children singing the, the lovely carols, and, and we've missed the harsh realities. See, Mary is betrothed to a man, which, by the way, in that culture, in that time, was something far more binding than our modern custom of engagement. They were considered married, they just hadn't consummated the marriage. And she conceives a child before the marriage is consummated. And in that culture, 
Not only is that grounds for dissolving the engagement, it's grounds for stoning. Because she is considered to have committed adultery. Now, can you imagine the kind of thoughts that must have gone through Mary's head? Well, wait a minute. I'm, I'm, I'm just a young girl. I'm, I'm not ready for a baby. And, and okay, how am I going to break this news to Joseph? What's going to happen to me when he finds out? And he's not the daddy. <laughs> Reality. What's going to happen to me? Think of my reputation and the reputation of my family. Think of the knowing smiles and the sly winks behind my back. And think what a pregnancy is going to do to my appearance. Why now? Why, why can't it come on my terms at my time? Oh, and by the way, this birth in a stable, his first crib uh, feeding trough. I mean, he's, wait a minute, he's the son of God. Can't we do better than that? It's the way most of us would have played it. But Mary doesn't short circuit the plan of God. Instead, she cooperates with God's will and plan when she says in Luke 1.38, in response to the angel's proclamation, behold the bond slave of the Lord, be it done to me according to your word. Now watch this. The idea of giving God permission, that's what she does, right? The idea of giving God permission may seem a little strange until you realize God will never force a miracle on you. He will promise, he will provide, but he will never insist. If you are to receive the miracle promise of God, you're going to have to cooperate with him and you're going to have to give him permission to bring the miracle his way in his time. Make no mistake about it. When God plants a miracle in your life and it begins to grow, it will always stretch you. When you are pregnant with God's possibilities for your life, it will change your diet. It will change the way you walk. Come on, ladies, help me here. There's new life inside of you. And if new wine will break apart old wineskins, I can't help believe, but believe it will certainly leave some stretch marks on the new ones. If you're going to experience the fulfillment of the miracle God has birthed in you, you're going to have to give permission for him to act the way he sees fit. Receiving your miracle begins with the promise to expect. Then there's the permission to engage. Finally, there must also be the power to execute. The angel told Mary she was going to conceive, give birth to a son who was to be the Messiah. And the logical question to ask is the one she poses in Luke 134 when she says, how can this be? The promise is so outside the realm of anything I've ever heard. It's far too wondrous to even comprehend, let alone try to manufacture. I can't possibly accomplish this, so uh, how can this be? The answer, the power to execute is in verse 35. The angel said to her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you 
and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. See, the truth is, you can't cause it to happen. But the Lord has an answer for that. The Holy Spirit will come upon you. The power of the Most High will overshadow you. It isn't your doing, it's His doing. It isn't your ability, it's His ability. And this is the way God works. When the situation looks hopeless and impossible to all human ways and understanding, when you can't find any way to make it work, then God makes a promise that He is birthing something wondrous within you and is causing all things to work together for your good. And when He makes a promise, then He always accomplishes the word of His promise by the power of His Spirit. When that happens, then verse 37 becomes a living reality and you discover the truth of what the angel said to Mary when he said, for nothing will be impossible with God. Oh, I I know how some of God's promises appear to the outside observer. I know the fulfillment of his promise of peace and harmony and health and wholeness and sufficient resources and turnaround and a fresh start and deliverance. I, I know it seems hopeless when you look at everything that is stacked against those promises. But that's because you've forgotten what happens when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and the power of the Most High overshadows you. When the angel appeared to Mary, the idea of an immaculate conception and a virgin giving birth to a child was preposterous, completely contrary to nature. This isn't the way it's supposed to happen. Afraid, confused, awed at the sight of the angel, not understanding what was happening, Mary asked, how can this be? In the natural, it was indeed impossible, but not, not when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and the power of the Most High overshadows you Mary believed, Mary obeyed, she gave permission for God to act according to his will and purpose. Behold the bond slave of the Lord, let it be done to me according to your word was her response. The angel proclaimed God's promise. Mary said, amen, so be it. Nine months later, Jesus was born of a virgin just the way God said it would happen. With man it is impossible, but with God nothing is impossible. This is how your miracle is going to happen. It will come when there is a fresh anointing of the spirit of the living God. It will come when you get to that place of faith where you are not swayed by the conflicts of the age and you are not swayed by the hype and the sensationalism. It will come when you get to the place where you trust God more than you trust yourself or anybody else. I need to say that line again. It will come when you get to the place where you trust God more than you trust yourself or anybody else. It will come when you recognize and embrace the truth of Zechariah 4 and 6, that it is not by might, it is not by power, but it is by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. Now, I know there are a lot of people who hear this talk about miracles, and they chalk it up to foolishness or fanaticism, or maybe even to a lack of intelligence. But I have to tell you, If you're here to try and dissuade me from believing and expecting and pursuing the miraculous, you've come too late. I've seen God come through too many times. I've seen relationships irreparably broken put back together when the Holy Spirit comes upon them and the power of the Most High overshadowed them. 
I've seen those bound by habits that were destroying their lives delivered and made whole when the Holy Spirit came upon them and the power of the Most High overshadowed them. I've seen a way opened up when there didn't seem to be any way. I've seen that which was dead spring forth into new life. I've seen hope reborn. There have been too many times when I've been an eyewitness to the truth that with man it is impossible, but with God nothing is impossible. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Excuse me while I shout just a moment. Hallelujah. Glory be to God forever. And may... Maybe you're part of this service today and you're looking over your situation. You hear the promise of God for peace and joy and power and you hear the promise of God for the miraculous. But nothing in your life seems to be adding up and you're wondering, (laughs) okay, pastor, it's good for you to say, but how can this be? You You can't put the relationship back together by yourself. You can't break the habit by yourself. You can't heal yourself. You can't beat the depression or conquer the fear by yourself. You can't find sufficient resources by yourself. So you have a choice. You can choose to respond like Ahaz and fall back on some piously sounding religious jargon that discounts the miraculous and refuses to trust in the provision of the Almighty. Or you can, re- or you can choose to respond like Mary. So will you learn a lesson from her today? Will you simply say with her, here am I. Let it be done to me according to your word. Will you just open yourself to God's possibilities right now? Will you you give your amen of affirmation to his promise? Will you cooperate with his plan and his purpose for your life? Will you just come to him in simple faith? Prepared to act in obedience to his word to say, I don't understand. Can I just remind you, he didn't call you to understand. We're trying to figure this thing out. Good luck with that. He just calls you to obey. And if you'll do that, he'll begin to work his miracle in you. He will usher you into that place of the miraculous he has planned just for you. And the Holy Spirit will come upon you. The power of the Most High will overshadow you. And you will know for certain. Oh, and by the way, everyone around you will know as well that it was not you, but it was God who has completed the work he promised. So let me ask you. Are you facing a situation that looks impossible? Why not trust God? Give him a chance. You've already exhausted yourself. You already know in your own strength it's impossible. Why not let God show you today that with him, nothing is impossible? 
I want to agree with you today in prayer for your miracle. Bow with me, please.